Assalamu alaikum and welcome to our 104th episode of ABC Islam and our 69th episode of our second series Islamically Independent. We are two Muslim sisters talking about the ABCs of Islam all the way to XYZ. Today we're going to be talking about a very important topic and that is all about how to balance your health, studies and sleep and even your family and your relationships during Ramadan. We all know that in Ramadan um, there is a lot going on from eating iftar and you know suhoor to making sure you get enough sleep to making sure you are still studying especially for the, our students out there. So it's really hard to sometimes balance everything and that's why we're going to be giving you three different sections in this video. But before we go on and talk about that, I'd just like to introduce my sister over here, who's the other co-host of this podcast alongside with me. So how are you, sister, today? And how do you feel about this podcast? Alhamdulillah, I'm feeling amazing. And I still remember two years ago when we started this podcast, it was around this time when the lockdown happened or something. Or if, Correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the time when we started this podcast around this month or maybe April. And I cannot believe we have been doing this for the past two years, except the few months. We don't count those because we didn't upload at all. But I feel so, so grateful to God, to Allah, that he, um, he has given us this opportunity, this blessing, this honor for us to actually, you know, host this podcast. And, you know, we are learning so much about ourselves and also about the religion at the same time, because we take our time for this one hour or 30 minutes even to even talk about the religion and what we are learning. And today's episode is all about Ramadan. I think Ramadan is a very repetitive topic. Like every year, everyone talks about Ramadan just one month before. So you might think that, oh, I've really listened to this episode before, but this is a bit more updated and more upgraded episode. So and hopefully you will enjoy it. Definitely. And I would also like to mention that, you know, Alhamdulillah, I'm good too. And also that, yeah, it is nearly like you could say our two year anniversary of ABC Islam. And if you have any ideas of how we can actually celebrate this anniversary, then if you're listening on Spotify, there is actually now a feature where we can like ask a question and you can respond in Spotify. So if you would like to send in your suggestions, maybe a Q&A would be really good or something like maybe an extra special episode about a topic that you guys have chosen so definitely leave your suggestions in the comments or in that box below we would love to know it but today we're going to be talking all about the three different aspects so we are going to be talking first of all about a schedule so tips on schedule and how to make sure that you schedule everything or as british people say a schedule uh, some british people say that the second um, section of this podcast is going to be about myths of Ramadan and, you know, what are the different myths that people have and we're going to try to like break or demystify those stereotypes. Now that we've said the two sections and we're obviously going to be swapping between the tips. So as we've said, the first section is going to be about schedule. So we're going to get right into it and um, I'm just going to hand the mic to my sister and she's going to be giving her first tip on how to make sure you have a balanced schedule during Ramadan. Thank you so much for that. Jazakallah khair. And I will start with the first step and that is to basically make sure that you're doing the most hard work in the morning. So now for these people, this can be very self-explanatory because our students, for example, myself and my sister over here, we are both students. So we're going to try to aim to do the most hard work, especially in the morning time. And since I'm at university and my sister is doing her um, college, a sixth form college education, it's a bit different for both of us because for me, I don't have class every day, like at 9 a.m., for example, and my sister 
sister does actually so for her it's not much of a difference in terms of schedule in the morning but for me it is so what i will do is making sure that i'm doing the most hard work what i have to do a lot of reading let's say or a lot of research going on i can use all the energy that i've just gained by having my suhoor to actually get the most hard work done in the morning so that in the evening time when i'm feeling a bit you know um sleepy tired or i don't feel like to do anything in that moment i can just shift to um doing some light work or even my hobbies so that would be my first tip Definitely. I think that, you know, doing the most, even if you're not a morning person, doing the most hardest or the most, you know, difficult tasks is actually a really good way to just use up most of your energy when you have the highest amount of energy. So I know for those of you are night owls, you might be like, no, I don't want to do my work in the morning. I'm not a morning person. But just for Ramadan, just for 30 days, make an exception and you might end up creating a habit where you become a morning person, which is something that so many people in, especially in YouTube, aspire to do. We see so many 5 a.m morning routines when in reality the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi was the one who actually started this um first and he's the one who recommended waking up early in the morning so again for those of you not morning people you can try this one out as well the second tip that we're going to be sharing and that is also based on schedule is actually to make sure that you do your hobbies or your fun activities or extracurriculars that don't require much energy one hour before iftar or cooking so this is also kind of related to, you know, the hardest tasks. You kind of guys probably got where we got this from because you're trying to do your highest energy tasks in the morning when you have your most energy and things like extra killers um, and things that are fun, but you still have to get done. You want to do those near the end of the day. And as I said, the best time is during iftar, like, you know, ar around iftar time or just before iftar time. So examples of these tasks could be your extra killers. So for example, for us, it could probably be this podcast because even though we talk and you know we're probably gonna you know get thirsty and we want to drink water obviously we're not going to inshallah but um you know it's something that we do for fun so just try to make sure that you do things like you know your blog or whatever you do try to do them during the evening so that would be my tip and that way you can also be in a fun mood before going to eat iftar and spend time with your family members, of course, because hobbies can also include things like that you're trying to achieve personally for yourself as well um, just before iftar. So my third tip in terms of schedule will be to do work also after iftar. Don't think that this is your time to sleep, especially if you're a student, we are advising you this. Um, if you're a parent, obviously you can do whatever you want because you have no um, studies or to do and, and etc. Um, I, I don't think so, but anyway. Um, but if you're a student, it's a very, very good way for you to do like do some two good two hours work session like you know homework and whatever you might have because some of us for example myself and my sister don't really like to sleep after tarawih because we think that it's just a waste of time unless you um you know because we are all of us can end up using or using instagram or youtube the whole entire time and not do anything about it so it's better to actually use whatever energy you have have had through iftar to actually get your work done as well because that in that way you're gonna get in, getting some things done and uh, yeah, I think that would be a really great tip. And I think this tip has really helped me last year when I was doing very hard work or maybe two years ago, actually, when I was doing my um, my assignments or my coursework more like. And it has really, really helped me because I didn't have to wake up in the morning at 5 a.m. to do the work like I used to do when I was not fasting. So yeah, that would be my third tip. 
Yeah, definitely. I do definitely agree with that because it does help. And for those of you who are confused, you might be wondering like, okay, so when do I sleep? Because we already talked about how you should do work in the morning, but also do work after iftar. So let me just get this straight and clear. Essentially, we're saying that do try to work when your stomach is full. Mm -hmm. So that means whether it's after iftar or suhoor, obviously, for those of you who don't eat suhoor, please do. It's a sunnah and it will help to fuel you for the rest of the day. But just try to study after you've eaten. So so for example, for me and my sister, we like to usually study, well, for the past couple of years as students, we usually study after Taraweeh. So we have our iftar, we pray our Maghrib, Isha, Taraweeh, and we have a good time with our family. And then afterwards, from after Taraweeh, we just start working and we can study for like two to four hours until iftar, uh, sorry, until suhoor. And... um and then we go to sleep after suhoor. But some people do it the other way around. So from Taraweeh to suhoor, they sleep. And then after suhoor, they basically study until the school starts. So that is completely your choice. But what we're trying to say is try to study when you have high energy. So now that I've cleared that out of the way, the next one that I want to talk about is actually to create good habits. Now, again, because 30 days is the perfect time to actually start a habit and to ensure you get into the flow and it becomes subconscious, then you want to make sure you use these 30 days of Ramadan to build a really disciplined life. And the best thing about Ramadan is that everyone is in that mood. So everyone will kind of keep each other accountable. And no one's going to be like, oh, bro, why are you working so hard? Or, oh, why are you doing this good thing? Like, stop being a, mov- a mufti or a sheikh. Like, you know, no one's going to roast each other. Everyone knows that everyone's trying to do good. And, you know, if you're interested in what I just said, also keep listening because we're going to talk about myths later on. But definitely make sure that you actually do implement good habits because there's a time when people are going to help each other and you could have someone in your life like for example a sibling or a parent or a friend who is very close to you and you can maybe tell them that you know what I want to read two pages of the Quran every day and please just ask me every night if I've done that so you can keep each other accountable and it's not for showing off purposes it's simply to help and motivate each other and similarly also having a tracker is really good if you want to be independent and if you want to get the satisfaction of ticking off a box every single time you've done something so essentially create good habits and either track them with a tracker or through an accountability partner I think that's an absolutely awesome tip, especially the tracker bit, because I'm someone who does not really like sharing my goals or anything with anyone. And keeping a tracker keeps me accountable all the time for any kind of goals that I might have in terms of my health, my fitness, my food, whatever that might be. So I think creating good habits and also I feel like this analogy of 30 days of building good habits can also be applicable for bad habits of removing bad habits for 30 days. So it doesn't just mean that you don't, ha- it doesn't mean that now what we're trying to say is that you basically neglect all your bad habits and then you start building on good habits more and more you get me if you have already got a lot of bad habits let's say focus on those bad habits and trying to remove them from the for the next 30 days let's say and keep those but if you see and if you realize that after 30 days you keep going back to those bad habits that means there's not something about shaitan in you or anything like that shaitan telling you and you know he's persuading you so it's about yourself most of the time so you you cannot be blaming the shaitan for everything bad that we do it's also our personal responsibility and free will as well it comes into it and you will realize that as well as soon as ramadan ends and you keep doing that thing let's say but obviously everybody's imperfect and we're all human beings we make mistakes and then we repent that's absolutely fine but last thing that i will share about the schedule bit 
is the fact that share joy and be present with your family. I think this is something that we all neglect because we're all about ourselves in the next 30 days and that sometimes we do forget about family, sharing a laughter with them, sharing food with them. And some of us are actually students who actually live away from family, which is really, really sad. And some of us might feel really homesick or we might be missing our parents, if, especially if let's say you live in the UK and your parents are in Pakistan or Bangladesh or India or something like that. So you might be feeling really missing them. So this is a time when you have your iftar time. That's when you can talk to them, like, you know, or talk to them throughout the day, maybe here and there, like for 30 minutes. That's going to make you very homely. And also, if you have friends around you, and let's say you don't have anyone around you that is your family, create good connections with friends, especially those who are like spiritually awakened and they're more likely to be, you know, practicing. They pray. They're going to be sharing good things with you. They might share a hadith here and there with you. They might make you feel welcome with the religion in the next 30 days. I think that's a really good one. That's the best place to find that is in the mosque. What do you think? 100% yeah and about the thing about the shaitan like I would say that definitely like shaitan does have an impact on you know our daily actions and I do agree with my sister in the sense that you know it is you'll be able to see what is within your own will but also remember to not be too hard on yourself and I think that it is also important to heal because majority of the reasons why we have bad habits is because of something we have not healed from so I think the 30 days is a good time to reflect and go deep inside and heal heal and don't blame yourself too much and being like you know you know thinking that you're the cause of everything obviously you have power over your thoughts you have power over what you do but make sure you actually heal as well and then carry on doing those good habits so now that we've talked about the schedule tips i would like to go ahead and go on to the myth section of this podcast so we're basically going to be discussing five myths that people have about Ramadan. And this is not just converts and reverts. No, no, no. This is people who are actual Muslims, born Muslims, who may have been practicing Ramadan for years, but they still have these myths. And um, I also think I want to maybe add one to the end. So I, because I just got a bonus one in my head right now. So I will be talking about that as well. Um, but yeah, we're going to get right into it. So the first one that I would like to discuss is actually about... Um, um, yeah, so it's basically about uh, sleep is not important in Ramadan. And I know that some of you might be thinking that you don't think of this, but actually something that we subconsciously all do, because if you think about it, as I mentioned before, some of you might be studying from uh, Taraweeh to Suhoor. So let's say you already lose about three to four hours of sleep. And let's say you only sleep between Suhoor to um, the time when you have to wake up for school. And if your school starts at seven, and let's say you went to sleep at like four or five that's literally like three to four hours of sleep and that is nothing so you need to make sure you actually do get your sleep and if you want to um, you need to remind yourself that sleep is a key component and it is something that the prophet has mentioned and the reason and that's why i actually got a hadith for you guys today which is from al-bukhari and this is what the prophet muhammad peace be upon him said which is that and i quote if any one of you feels drowsy while praying he should go to sleep until his slumber is over End quote. And what this means is that basically if you are feeling tired and if you're feeling like you extremely need to go to sleep, it doesn't mean that you need to force yourself to pray all 20 rakats of Taraweeh and then go to sleep. You need to make sure you do prioritize your health. And again, there's not saying this is not saying that now you're going to get lazy in your prayers and you miss your prayers. Of course, prayers are compulsory. You have to pray your five prayers. But 
Also, you need to make sure that you do prioritize your health because if you don't take care of yourself, you won't be able to go and worship Allah properly. You won't be able to study properly. You won't be able to do any other aspects of your life. So health is important. And just one quick little quote here is that, you know, a healthy person has 1,000 wishes, but a sick person only has one. So if you remember that quote, you will know how health is so important. So please remember that and please do not forget your sleep during Ramadan. My tip is try to study from if, uh, from Taraweeh to Suhoor and then try to um, sleep from Suhoor to the time you get up for school and then try to like maybe sleep two to three hours after you come back from school because that's when you're tired. So just make sure you sleep. I think that's absolutely true. And even though our religion emphasizes more on prayer than sleep in some cases, I think that if you don't have sleep, everything, every part of your life will be basically very boring and you will feel really tired. So that's absolutely true. And uh, my uh, second myth that I will talk about very, very quickly is the fact that um, the label about the Ramadan Muslim, like, oh, you're just a Ramadan Muslim. I know you're going to go back to your old ways and everything like that. So what's the point of doing all these good things in Ramadan? Because I know you're going to go back. So this is where the, the misconception is very toxic because everyone's journey to Islam is very different from each other. Like, you know, some people, as they, I think if this was a hadith of, correct me if I'm wrong, but about uh, how some people are walking, some people are like, you know, uh, behaving like a snail towards the religion like you know that analogy so it's very very important not to judge anyone's um journey to islam because that's very very unfair and also imagine if somebody told you that you have been doing some bad habits and you know it and you're trying to reform that during ramadan and then somebody keeps telling you that i know you're gonna go back to that so what's the point that's very discouraging and especially if that person is let's say a convert or a reaver that's even worse because they might be thinking or if they're coming back from islam after a very long long time or if they've been doing a lot of bad habits for a long period of time then it's very discouraging it's very discouraging indeed and they might think that what's the point of coming in this religion where everybody is so judgmental because for them what we represent as muslims is what they're gonna follow if you know what i mean because they already know the religion is perfect islam is perfect and everything but if we as muslims behave in a way that discourages them and makes them feel like nah actually i was better off when i was a christian or a hindu or something like that because at least people didn't judge me in that time so judging someone for their journey is very very toxic and something that in our community we should talk about more often because it's not talked about and everyone's journey is different and very very personal so we can't be judging our sister's let's say way of wearing hijab let's say like she might be showing her neck at first and then she might be covering her ears and then she might actually end up wearing the niqab five years later we don't know her journey so that's what i would say about this myth Definitely, I do completely agree with you um, in that sense as well. And the next one that I wanted to actually talk about um, is actually the fact that um, you should still, you should hide away from your male relatives or family members when you are on your period and you should make sure that you are not eating in front of them and the reason why this came up is because fun fact I actually went to a girls school when I was in secondary school and the fact that it was a girls school and some girls were not eating even though they were not fasting because they were on their period really concerned me and I went home and I think I told my mom like oh is that what I'm supposed to do like when I'm on my period am I supposed to like you know pretend I'm not eating and I'm supposed to pretend that I'm fasting and the fact that girls were doing this even in a girls school where every girl has a period essentially um, you know hopefully inshallah if ever um, you know the fact that girls know about menstruation we live in a developed country and yet some girls still pretend that they're fasting that is actually very sad and 
I would like to break this myth straight away, which is that I watched a Mufti Meg video, I believe, which is where he actually said that if you fast while you're on your period, that kind of in itself is a sin because you are disobeying Allah because Allah said for you to not fast when you're on your period. It's like you praying salah when you're on your period. It doesn't make sense. Like Allah clearly said, don't do it. So, you know, you might think you're putting the extra effort in by taking the prayer mat and by making wudu and praying. Like, no, Allah said, don't pray salah while you're on your period. So the same thing applies. So for those of you who are brothers listening to this podcast and you are kind of shying away from this, please do if your sisters or if your moms have to hide away from you while, while they're on their period and they're you know f- they have to pretend they're fasting please encourage them to just eat in front of you in the sense like you know it doesn't mean they have to eat in front of you but don't make them feel uncomfortable because i know some brothers and some guys they do like question their sisters like, oh why are you not fasting and they kind of make the they take the mick out of it so don't do that um, because some girls do feel like to hide this all the time and I would say that for you girls out there, when you're on your period, please do eat. And, you know, obviously, if you're in school situation where it's a mixed school, so for example, now both me and my sister go to mixed school, um, I can totally understand why in lunchtime we will not eat because there are boys present and they know it's Ramadan. So it might be something different, but that doesn't mean that we're, we're going to completely fast the whole day because we can't do that. That's disobeying Allah. So well, we might just not eat lunch in school, but then as soon as we come home, we're going to eat lunch, like kind of that way. Mm-hmm. So that would be my tip. So, just make sure girls you eat when you're on your period i think that's absolutely true because there's always this shame around us that we need to when that if we have periods that means that we are kind of like impure and stuff and of course we are that's why we're not supposed to not impure in a sense that you know we're disgusting no one can touch them yeah we're actually always clean and pure like that's what the prophet said but we're in a sense of we're not ready to pray that's kind of what it is exactly yeah that's absolutely true the way of putting it and it's absolutely fine. You don't have to hide any from anyone, especially your own family members who have seen you since you were born. So it doesn't really make sense. I think that, that was a really good point, in my opinion. I was very impressed by that. And the number, I don't know what it was, but number three, I believe, it would be... Um, to, or number four, I believe, is actually that you do not have to finish the whole Quran. I think this is what I think some parents what they do is that they take this Ramadan month as the month of challenging the kids of actually finishing the Quran, even if they can't read properly and they're just scribbling through or like you know just stammering or even like scanning through. They think that they've completed the whole Quran just because the other neighbors' kids might have finished it before them, like you know or something like that. I think this is not a competition. Reading the Quran should be something that is blissful and you do it voluntarily yourself and something that should come from your heart that you say to yourself that you know what i really want to read this book i want to see what it teaches me about life and lifestyle that i should be living to live a successful life and stuff so competing kids to read it and finish it that doesn't really make sense to me because it's just actually disobeying god as well because when you when he says he didn't say read harshly just read and just read in a way that you can understand everything and it even if that even if that means you take let's say 10 years to finish the reading the quran that's absolutely fine that's actually taking your time to understand the quran and how you should be living your life there's no point actually rushing it's not a race basically yeah, definitely. And with that being said, I would like to also mention that, you know, even if you read a few verses every day, even if you read a few pages, like small deeds that are consistent are much better than just doing one whole two readings of the Quran within one month and then just completely forgetting about the Quran later on. Our intention is to do this consistently. And I think we're going to probably do the last one here just to make the podcast not too long. And that is definitely to make sure that you actually... um 
on the myth is that you would definitely lose weight when you fast and again this is what this is one that is you know something that especially non-muslims say so when non-muslims see us like fasting in ramadan um they all say that oh you're definitely going to lose weight isn't it how many kilograms have you lost last year when you fasted and all muslims essentially or most muslims make this face being like what the hell did you just say like that what are you talking about because um you may know if as a muslim that usually a lot of us especially in the asian countries we are accustomed to making food from all the samosas to the you know to the puris to the um you know rasgullas rasgullas yeah saying it in the american and the yeah the rasmalai like there are so many desserts and snacks then you have all the pizzas and the burgers and all of this food and people think that we're that everyone's going to lose weight when in reality most people actually end up gaining weight because number one you're not digesting your food properly as soon as you eat and you go to sleep and that's not really good for your digestion and number two is the fact you don't get much movement a lot of people don't exercise during ramadan and number three is because of these unhealthy foods so you need to make sure that you actually remember that you fasting doesn't mean you're going to lose weight automatically that's not how it works that's not how science works so please make sure you do actually eat healthy and exercise and try to do all of that to make sure that you do maintain your weight or if you do want to lose weight do it as a side effect and not the only core reason why you're fasting so yep so alhamdulillah we have come to the end of our wonderful podcast episode today we really hope that inshallah you've learned something new also if you do not know we upload every usually weekly um here on islamically independent series here on abc islam if you're excited then please subscribe or follow us on our podcast platforms such as google podcasts our podcasts and spotify most platforms are free and you don't even need to log on and as we said if you're on spotify then please leave your comments down below on how we can celebrate our two-year anniversary um of abc islam we would love to get you guys involved on this journey and on this anniversary but jazakallah and also it's halal but yeah jazakallah khair for listening may allah bless us all and we will inshallah see you next time assalamu alaikum